powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Game Over Winnipeg. My name is Liz, one of your regular hosts. I'm joined by Brody today. Brody Jackson, for those of you who are uh, Winnipeg market people, you understand that I am joined by a local celebrity today. So, Brody, thank you so much for taking the time to come and join me this evening to talk about whatever that was. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, happy to be here. I'm only a local celebrity in my mom's eyes, but thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, for those uh, of us who are slow pitch and hockey fans and country music fans, you're kind of a big deal over here. So, can we can we just do 45 minutes on slow pitch? Like we can talk about that. Like I, I'm in for sure. You know, uh, that was a that was a bummer of a bummer of an outcome of a game. It was such a weird game list. Like it was like. They dominated for the majority of the game. It just doesn't seem right that we're walking away going, did we just did we just lose that game? Did that just happen? Right. No, exactly. And it's like you look at it and you're like, it was it was kind of fun. Like if you could take out like the couple seconds where the goals happen and you just stitch the rest of the game together, I probably would have been like, wow, that was a lot of fun to watch if I didn't know what the outcome was going to be and where the goals happened and stuff. But it was just it was a weird game. Yeah, it was. Uh, you you had these these sways of momentum that didn't really feel like sways of momentum because it would be like the Jets were putting on pressure. Um, whether it was you know at the, the end of the first period, I mean, it took them a while to seem to, to to get going and firing on all cylinders like we know they can do. Um, and those crisp passes weren't quite there at the beginning of the first period. But once they got going in that offensive zone, they were hard to knock off the puck, and you could see it through the end of the first period, the majority of the second, and then again a majority of the third. They just dominated and then if you're looking at those sways of momentum it's like they carried it the entire game and then all of a sudden you know one bad bounce or one just missed opportunity or missed play and it would end up behind Connor Halibut and it's not like he sat there and had uh you could point a lot of the goals on him either you know that's the funny part too it was just it was like tip shots good nice you know accurate shooting up to the top chatter you know like it was weird just that nothing seemed to be working in the Jets' favor. It was like they worked really, really hard to try and get the win, and it was just not going to go their way tonight. No, literally. Like, exactly. Like, especially when it comes to at least looking at the score sheet, when it was like they're in a deficit, and you're like, oh, gosh, they're never going to get out of this. And all of a sudden, they'd score that goal to cut the lead, and you're like, okay, maybe this is going to happen. And then they give up another one. Like you said, one of those <laughs> bad bounce, weird, whose fault is it? I don't really know. Like, just a lot of that. It was strange. It was definitely weird. Um, but like you, you were saying, there was a lot of that possession. You thought it looked like the Jets, you know, carried a lot of that. Which line did you think was more fun tonight? The Dubois line or well, the Shifley line? Oh, man. Um, that Dubois was just, he's just a beast. Like, how do you knock that guy off the puck? I just, he's such a fun player to watch when he's in the zone like that. And he's just dominant. And uh, and you can see the chemistry. Like, it's going to, we got to all remember that. You know, as good as they are looking right now, they're only going to get better. He was played, what, three games until he was injured and gone for the majority of the season? So they're only going to get better. And Eilers' confidence with those two players is only going to get better. You could see a couple missed passes, whether it was like just off by a foot, that those are things that I think will be clicking on all cylinders and, you know, by more than likely by the All-Star game even um, with all the games that they have still coming up yet before that break. So that Dubois line is just, yeah, they're just... It's three very unique players all playing together, where you, whether oh, you're looking yeah. at Fly or the goal-scoring ability of Connor or just the pure physical dominance of Dubois. They're just such a fun line to watch. 
Yeah, no, 100%. And you're so right about Dubois. Like, I don't know. He He's an interesting player. And I got to say, guys, this week I was able to... this. Brody, I always put up my jersey of the game for the player that I want to feature because I thought that they had a fun game. And this is my first time featuring my newly signed Pierre-Luc Dubois jersey from the uh, the skills competition this week. So I thought I saw you post something about that, that you got yeah, PLD signed your, signed your jersey. Well, speaking of which, wasn't he fantastic at the skills competition? If you look at all the players that were involved. Um, at the skills comp he was probably the one that was most active in signing for fans oh my gosh yeah no it was nuts like it was so fun so I had never been to the skills competition before my friend's like we should go and she's like if you want to go you have to get good seats uh so we were sitting in the second row and it was actually a ton of fun because I was just chucking hats and jerseys for kids back and forth because the kids who are sitting a couple rows back they're not getting anything and they're screaming these players names and I'm like oh my gosh I see that you have an Adam Lowry jersey I'm gonna make sure you get that Adam Lowry jersey signed by Adam Lowry and it was a ton of fun Dubois definitely gave me a bit of a chuckle when I threw him a Dubois number 13 jersey he's like "Mm, what but so that was a ton of fun Uh, Brody was the the in-game guy for that he had his mic out there he had his skates on was that a fun experience or what Uh, it's it's such a blast I mean it's such a it's fun to see the camaraderie between the players too like this hasn't happened in a couple years you know and um, I mean obviously the best thing that they come out of it is to see a lot of these kids like you had mentioned let's they get an opportunity to see NHL players because they never had an opportunity to see them before. And when you can get up close and personal and see a lot of the personality of the players come out, like you're well aware that, you know, Nate Schmidt is a funny guy, that he is an engaging guy. He's going to be a fan favorite because of the stuff that he's willing to talk about and how he's willing to chirp everybody and have a great old time. You're well aware of that. But uh, something like the skills uh, competition gets you an inside look a little bit more like Connor Hellebuck when he approaches the microphone and wants to chat and, you know, give praise to the two local goaltenders who are in there um, playing the student goalies. You know, like you get an inside look at the players who are on their ice and then you also get a chance to see their skills. Like when you get when you are sitting, standing on the ice and you see it up close and, and personal, you're like this. What they're doing just doesn't make sense at times. There's the the puck control relay. And for those who haven't been. Um, to the skills competition. It's run by Murray Cobb and the fantastic crew uh, with the with the Jets Academy. So what they do is is in the puck control relay, there's a sauce competition where you have to, the player on one of the teams has to sauce it over top of like this uh, rubber padding. It's about this long. And then score into these teeny tiny nets that are like a foot and a half. And that's about it. And I've never seen anybody do it as quickly as Mark Shifley in my life this last time. He did four out of five. I was actually chatting with Ron, one of the student goaltenders, when this was happening. And I was talking to him, and he's like, was that the quickest you've ever seen? I said, by far. Like, I've never seen it. I think he did four out of five he got in. That's insane that he can put the sauce the puck that far down into this teeny tiny net. And he did four out of five. And Dylan DeMello standing there, he's like, no, Brody, they did six. Four out of six. Just want to correct you on that one. Four out of six. So, but he said, uh, but he also he also added in the fact that he's like, yeah, that is ridiculous. Like, it's so hard to do. So when you get a chance to see the players, you know, really do certain little specific parts of their game that that we really take for granted, that you get a chance to see up close and personal like that, it's, it's a pretty special thing. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. That it, it was pretty cool, and I think the personality thing definitely shone through. Uh, and I think it's great that you mentioned that because, like you said, some of them are pretty evident, like the Nate Schmitz of the world. But you know, Brendan Dillon had a smile on his face the whole time. I mean, you know, all these different guys. Uh, it was awesome. It was great. Uh, and I want to ask of the Mark Shifley, particularly. You know, he mentioned those little soft skills and stuff. What did you think of his game tonight? Uh, he had a good game. He. Again, it just seemed like there's certain pucks that just weren't going their way. Like that line itself, actually, that was probably Wheeler's best game that he's had since he's returned from his oh, injury, God, yeah. right? So, and and the other hard part about it too is that you know you got to get a shake props in the fact that it's not just one guy returning to the line. This is two guys returning to the line. This Perfetti was out for a while. So um, when you are putting two players back into your line, and you and he was you know mix and match with so many players here during that during that period of so many injuries. Um, he's getting two guys back in the lineup who are just kind of starting to find their legs. And Perfetti looked great tonight too. Yeah. Uh, as did Wheeler. Like this is Wheeler's. You know, it take it it it'll take you a while to get going after an injury like that. And uh, and now it seems like they got their legs underneath them. It just just certain bounces weren't going their way. But Shife Shife is when he's a driven player. Uh, he is. He's just a fun, solid player to watch as well. And I thought he had a good game. I thought. And that's the hard part about coming out of a game like tonight. It's not like. I can't even if I was to sit there and go, who's the player of the game? Um, I would probably say a guy who you didn't see put it into the net, and that would be Josh Morrissey. But outside of that, it's like they all played decent enough that they could all be considered good players in the game. But for some reason, everything went wrong. Even Neil Pionk, who, yeah, unfortunately, that puck bounced over his stick, and that was pretty much the end of the day uh, after yeah. that goal. But he had a chance to to tie the game there, bringing it off the post. He had the goal that he scored earlier in the game. So it's like you can't even pin all that. Adam Lowry had an unreal first period. Uh, him and Morgan Barron look like a, another duel like Adam Lowry's always done when it comes to, you know, Armia or Cop or, or now um, Morgan Barron. Uh, he looked like he was – Adam Lowry was having a great game. And then he makes one mistake and it costs him, right? On so, the PK there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like everyone was playing a good game and it was just one mistake that seemed to cost them. Totally. Yeah. Like, I think it's the kind of thing that I'd actually like to go back and rewatch some of the clips, particularly with those first couple of lines, because I thought the generation was a lot stronger than I've seen in a lot of other games. Like, there have been some games this year I found the team has been, you know, defensively sound and they're clearing the puck well and their entries and their exits are fine. But then they're, you know, they're not cycling properly or the puck's not getting in front of the net or they have no player to pot those rebounds. Like, I thought all of that stuff was actually pretty good tonight. So, like you said, it's weird looking at the result and seeing how frustrated you are, but also how you can pull a couple of good things from that, you know? Yeah, it, it would. I would imagine it being frustrating for the players. Yeah. Because it just seemed like they wanted to win that one. You know, and it, it honestly looked like they were doing everything that they could to try and win it. And whether it was a, a good save or a post or a crossbar that got in the way or a block shot. It just seemed like they, it didn't matter what they were going to do tonight. You know, they just weren't going to win that game. It just felt like everything was against them. Totally. And I think that kind of goes, to, it speaks to a good comment we have in the chat here from Jeff. It says the fact that they kept push, putting pressure on despite being down, you would never have seen that from previous years, Jets teams. And I think that's interesting because yeah, like the deficit came so early. They were chasing that entire game, but I really didn't think they ever let, their foot off the gas which I think is huge and those are the kinds of things that you can pull from a game like that and look at it uh in an encouraging light right because it's like they yeah they were chasing that entire game but they weren't you know the Jets that we occasionally see where they're down by three and they just give up you know 
Yeah, and I, I mean, I think we're seeing that a lot more this year than years prior. And I, I, I got to ask Jeff, like, on uh, the flip side of it, isn't it fun as a fan going in there and sitting knowing that, okay, they're down by two goals, but they're probably going to come back. They're down no, by three totally. goals, but there's a good chance that they could still come back. And as a fan, how often have you thought that um, over the past you know, few years? There's been some struggles, and you're just like, I don't know if they got it in. It's going to be tough. That's a big mountain to climb back. And now you're like, actually, it's a little bit of a hill, and I think they can get to the top of it, no problem, um, because it's just the team that they are. No, exactly. And I think um, I, I'm looking up in the chat, and Dave early on says, what is the point of Coolman again? And I think I want to talk a little bit about – uh, the bottom six as well. Like, I think the top six, they did a pretty good job of some generations. I made some notes early on that I'm like, every time they're behind their own blue line, I cover my eyes because I just, they stress me out a little <laughs> bit. But there were some interesting illnesses and lineup decisions that plagued this team kind of at the last second tonight. We know that this bottom six has been rotating through guys. We've had a lot of strong players come through and fill in roles as needed with injuries and all that kind of stuff. Um, any particular thoughts? Obviously, Kevin Stenlin coming out of the lineup and David Gustafson coming back in after two games uh, as a healthy scratch. Any particular thoughts on the bottom six tonight beyond? I know we kind of touched a little bit on Adam Lowry's first period already. Any thoughts there? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, like, Stanley wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been out of this game if he wasn't sick. Like, there's no, he's been playing unreal, you know, and I think you're going to rotate those bottom six players no matter what, more than likely anyways. Like, we saw it earlier with Sam Gagne coming out, but then you put him back in, he scores a goal. Um, and not to say that he hasn't been out here the last few games, but prior to that, he, you know, they they brought him out. The thing with rotating at um, the bottom six and with so many injuries that happened, and that's the one thing with Coolman is that he comes over and he's thrust into the top line. So as a fan, if you're a fan of the Jets and you're watching the team and you're, you're just wanting this guy to produce because they're like, he's on the top line, he's playing with Shai, you should be. You, now you got these chances. You should be putting them in. He had a lot of chances. He just oh, wasn't. Yeah. But he just wasn't bearing those chances when he was up there on the top line. But can you imagine? You know, like you're you're generally a, a third line, fourth line um, player. You come over to a new team, and boom, you're playing top line minutes. You know, that's that's it, it's unfortunate, but it was just the the battle that the Jets were facing, and um, whether they were rolling in Eisimont or Coolman or you know, bringing any of those, Baron, whoever was uh, coming up to play that first line minutes, they were just kind of being thrust into a spot that maybe they weren't ready for. And coming over to a new team, too. Like, coming over to a new team, right to the top line, like, that's hard to do. You know, you're not going to be an immediate Andrew Cop here coming over, and then you can, you know, go from the third line to the top line, and it doesn't feel like the team is missing a beat. This is an entirely new player and a new team. So I feel like Kuhlman is just a matter of, like, giving him a little bit more time. He's driven. He's a little pest in there. I think that, you know, getting bottom six minutes will be good. Maybe he'll be put down in towards the, I mean, just what what's going to happen when Menelainen's back, right? He's probably going to be going down to the fourth line and playing fourth line minutes because Menelainen's going to be back up there on the third line. You got one of the strongest, most powerful um, third lines in the entire league with those three big boys on there between Baron Lowry and Menelainen. Now, all of a sudden, Kuhlman's being down into the fourth line, and that's probably where he where he'll fit perfectly. So right now, when once these injuries are through and everything's outside of their system, then I feel like we'll be able to, you'll be able to critique that bottom six a lot more when the bottom six are playing like the bottom six not being thrust into top line minutes and Moose coming up to play those bottom those bottom line minutes, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it kind of honestly relates to sort of what we saw with some of the top six too, with the guys coming back from injury. When the chemistry and the sync and the synergies just aren't there immediately, just those little bounces are so much more noticeable. And I think you're right that, you know, someone who is literally put on waivers by another NHL team is obviously not a long-term solution in the top six. So he's probably not used to playing with the Mark Scheifele's of the world. He's not used to playing under Rick Bonus. You know, all these changes coming in at once and still just trying to get used to all those changes. I agree like I think eventually he will like he's been sliding down the lineup to a spot that's more you know what he's made for and what he's fit for that being said when Menelining comes back does he even stay in the lineup because that means you know we got because Kevin Stenland's also coming back you know that's not long term does Gus go out does AJF come out I'm very interested to see what's going to happen there and isn't it fun to have that kind of Oh yeah, dialogue about so the bottom six. We years. haven't we right like we haven't had that over so long, and it's fun to sit there and go like, okay, Sam Gagne with well, a depth signing, and uh, you know a lot of, not a lot of conversation to had with him, and then he comes on and he he puts up important goals here and there in, in what twelve minutes of work. Um, you you have this depth forwards now where we're like, oh, this is kind of fun to you know debate whether Fialbi should be in there over. Over uh, a guy like Stenland or Gustus, you know, Gustus, this is his opportunity. He should have this opportunity right now, and he deserves to roll with it. But look at all the penalty killing he can do. Look at the defensive play he can have. He did put up points with the Moose. There's only a matter of time till he gets there. So it's fun to have it. Each one of these players has an argument to stay in the lineup, but there's also an argument to probably pull them out too when there's another player that's uh, ready to step up and get in there. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think there's also a a bit of a similar conversation to a lesser degree, just because you're running with half the active players in the roster, but with the defense as well. And looking at, you know, Kevin Stenland was sidelined by an illness today. And it looks like, I guess, Billy Hanela was too. I guess everyone was under the impression this morning that he was going to play and that Dylan Sandberg was going to be a healthy scratch. And then there was a last minute switch uh, just due to an illness thing there. What do you think is going to happen there? I guess, um, you know, everyone's healthy now. Uh, Billy Hanela sat for the games that Nate Schmidt's been back, but it looked like they're going to give him a crack today. Uh, any thoughts on that particular situation? Well, I mean, that's a, t- that's a, that's a tough one. That's a, you know, like I don't ever envy coaches who have uh, to be in this situation, but that's why they're paid money to be the coaches and make those kinds of decisions. Because, you know, it's funny. I like I'll sit around a group of people and they'll be sitting there pumping the tires of Billy Hanola like nobody's business. And then you go to another group and it's the exact opposite. Right. And it's uh, all of us have our own personal opinions as to who we think should be in that top six. But I will tell you one thing that um, I think Sandberg's going to just continue to grow. And I think that you got to continue to give him opportunity to grow. Uh, it was just a couple of years ago that in the playoffs, I honestly thought as a very, very young Jet, I honestly thought that he was their best defenseman in that playoff series. And it, it's, I think that he's just going to get there and he's going to continue to grow. It's just a stable defenseman. Not somebody who's going to wow you, um, but somebody who can play the body. And eventually, I think that he's he's going to start shooting the puck a little bit more. We're seeing that a little bit more this season um, than we did in prior seasons. So I'm I'm a fan of Sandberg. I think that he has a lot of opportunity there. We saw him at the skills competition. He was hitting some bangers lists. Like, he was slapping that. He could hit that puck, you know? So <laughs> I think it's just a matter of time before Sandberg will kind of improve. And that's a hard part when you have so many kind of um, talented young defensemen uh, is how do you integrate them in a lineup when you have um, – it's just a glut of them in a way, you know, when it, when Logan Stanley's back, you, you got him as well in a, entering into the conversation. Um, so 
it's a tough one. I don't envy anybody having that one. And I know that if I have, you know, if I have one opinion about it, it's going to be completely different than yours and completely different from somebody else's, depending on the taste that you like of, of your defenseman. You know, like I've, I've seen people sit there shred, shredding a certain one, one defenseman and then, you know, just giving praise to another one. And then on the flip side, the exact opposite from one of their best buddies. Everybody's got that different opinion about defenseman. It's a hard one to really nail down. Totally, yeah. No, and I think it's the kind of thing where all I can ask for, I think, when it comes to people with the way they evaluate defensemen is a little bit of consistency. So that's why, like, tonight, for example, I've been ragging on Neil Pionk all year. I've just been struggling with a couple of the things I've seen from him. I don't know. Uh, and then, obviously, tonight there was that giveaway and people started flaming the guy. But I was like, you know what? No. My big thing is I'm like, I don't like using isolated plays to evaluate a player because it's not really reflective of the entirety of the game or even, you know, a several a stretch of games and all that kind of stuff. But um, all that's to say, it really depends on how you look at them. And I, I fully agree with you. And I think it's a good segue into a question that we have from Next Gen in the chat who says, what do you think Cheval Dayoff should target at the at the deadline, if anything? And I think that's where the Jets having those tough conversations of who slots into the lineup will work to their advantage because if you have all these guys that can play on your competitive NHL team, that means you have all the more trade chips. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's kind of tough because when you're around – when you're around the team all the time, you never want to see anybody go, right? So when you think of somebody coming in, you're like, oh, that means that somebody's got to go. But you're also like, okay, well, I want the team to get better, obviously, and improve, as is the team itself. So, you know, you the way that I look at it is that I think that if they can get any, anybody in as a top four D-man, um, it's probably the best thing that they can do for the team. Somebody who is uh, a big body in the back that plays top four minutes. Um, the, the Jets are just a little smaller on the blue line, and that's nothing to take away from Stanley or Dylan. Um, Dylan's probably the hardest nosed player that they have on the team, uh, and Stanley's a big boy, but he doesn't always play the play the body. I think it'd be nice to have somebody back there who is just a tough, hard nosed guy that you can sit there and put on in the last two minute of a game when when uh, when 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 they're leading by a goal and there's an empty net. You know, that's the, just that that tough player back there that is defensively sound they have offensive guys and if you look at um if you look at josh morrison you look at neil pionk and i know a lot of people do and have been ragging on pionk as you mentioned listen i love that, the, that you're honest about it um it's he's just a, four, a couple seasons away from one heck of a hockey season that he played for the jets uh, uh -huh. and he was their best defenseman and now we're looking at Morrissey going, okay, well, there's nobody better than Morrissey. But Morrissey was just a couple seasons away from having a not-so-great season. Uh, seasons come and go, and players can change depending on how the season is operating, how things are going their way, what injuries that they're dealing with that we have no idea about. Uh, I'd be hard-pressed to sit there and, and say that, you know, that, that Pionk is, yeah, he's not having a great season, but that he's as bad as what is being made out to be. I think that there's a lot in him to give. It's just a matter of going, okay, well, do we need the offensive abilities of, of Josh Morrissey, Neil Pionk, Billy Hanola, all? Or do we need somebody who is going to be tough and can play those hard minutes on the blue line? Yeah, no, I think that's interesting. I actually... I want to disagree in saying that my first target would be more offense, but as a forward. But I think that there's a conversation to be had for that as well. Like... um, I know what you mean, like, and especially in a game like the one that we watched tonight, like, 
someone who can defend would have been great because none of them really did that tonight. So I, I definitely, I my opinion can be swayed when I watch this team. And I feel like every game I, I change a little bit. Like in a night like tonight, I've been yelling about getting in a top six forward pretty much all year. And tonight, that wasn't what it looked like they needed in any capacity. So, but if it's changing night in, night out, then you're like, oh my gosh, what do they do? And again, what's I don't envy the job of a GM because it's like, how, how do you know? But uh yeah, I think um, in the chat, um, Brady's saying that he doesn't know if that type of D-man is available, and I think that that's a good point, too. Like, I've seen so many names circling around, and I feel like the defense market for free agents at the dread li- deadline it doesn't nearly look like it did last year. Like, can you imagine, like, giving up what Florida did for Ben Chirot yeah. last year and bringing him back, and ooh, I, that's that's not where I'm about to head. That's the thing. It's, it's going to be costly. Like, because it, everybody wants that top four D-man. And you know that Edmonton's going to be spending a, everything that they can um, in order to get a top oh, four yeah. D-man. It's going to be so competitive on the market for a top four D-man. They're not right, Brady. Like, it's going to be so hard to find that. But you know, you also know that come playoff time, should the Jets knock on wood make it to the playoffs, they're going to be driving into the heli like nobody's business, right? They're going to be up in his grill. They're going to be sitting in the crease. They're going to be playing tough. And that's... When it gets to playoff hockey, when you get to that, you know, that, that rise and grind every single day that you play, that's when those big body defensemen become important. And I mean, we can all sit here and remember the glory days of Dustin Bufflin in front of the net. But if you have somebody who's even even a foot taller, a foot smaller and 60 pounds lighter, you're still looking at a big guy back there. Uh, and that's what I think that they need is just somebody to be able to just dummy people and get out of my way. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that that's, um, I'm really glad you made the comment about Logan Stanley, because that's one thing that drives me nuts is when people are like, oh, he's big, so he hits guys. I'm like, no, he doesn't. Uh, the the use <laughs> of the body is extremely ineffective from that player, but thank you so much for bringing that up. Um, but I do think that, that that whole playoff hockey perspective is huge, because, you know, those checks that I get frustrated when players finish right now, I'm like, you just hit that guy, but you took yourself out of the play and you didn't get the puck, so what was the point? Those are the hits that matter when you get to the playoffs and you're playing the same team, you know, seven times in 13 days or whatever it is and stuff like that so I think it's important to kind of look at the longevity of the team and I think you made a good point about Connor Hellebuck because like we saw tonight the guy's a brick wall but every now and then the brick wall like tonight again Hellebuck is not for fault um you know Mike had a comment in the chat he said the net is big save Dave's from here on out I know he's being a jokester but you know he's human too and and in games when the odd goal that he normally wouldn't let in gets let in the flaws of other players in the team are a little bit more noticeable no they always will be because it's just hell he's just that good you know and he he's he's bad i mean he's gonna be that team's mvp for as long as he's around just because of well you know we are so darn lucky to have him but it's like we really are and i hope that it's I I hope that people get to even in even in tough times if the Jets go on a slide and people are all up in arms and I get it because you know as a fan you want to see your team win I hope that we all realize still how lucky we are to have a goalie like Helly uh, playing for our team and how fun it is and how lucky we are to have a player like Josh Morrissey um, putting on the show that he was again tonight like there's just there's just certain players that are fun to watch and we got two. Uh, and I mean, arguably, there's more if you look up front. But we got two that I would sit sit there right now that are like, they're so ridiculously fun to watch. And that is Connor Hellebuck and Josh Morrissey right now. And that's yeah. not to take away everything that we have up front because, my gosh, we have a lot of talent up front. But those two are really special players right now. 
No, for sure. And I think that that goes to, you know, the whole concept of what should the Jets do at the deadline. And I was even talking to my dad about it today and he gets home and we're talking this, that, whatever about trades. And I'm like, listen, like, unless Connor Hellebuck tells you right now and signs on the dotted line that he's staying after his contract is up, you need to go now because you're never going to find another player like that in this market. It, you're not going to, you don't stumble upon Vezina caliber goalies who have those Vezina caliber seasons season after season we understand that goalies are wacko and nuts and sometimes they'll have a crazy stand on your head <laughs> season and all of a sudden they're posting an 860 the next year they're like what's going on uh so I fully believe in going all in while this player is the one who's tending our goal every night yeah, I, I, there's a lot of people who would sit there inside with you on that for sure. So I mean, but does that mean do you want to give up your future of a draft? It's hard when you're a team that that drafts well and that leans on the drafts because you have to lean on the drafts or the trades. And um, free agency is just harder in general. And and people will argue, well, as you know, like it's hard to bring people to uh, the market that is Winnipeg and and smaller market, Canadian market, all that stuff that seems to be going against them. Well, sure, that may be true, but also the free agent crop is just not really that great half the time and and when it is that great half the time there seems to always be major players in it anyways and the money just seems to be too ridiculous in the salary cap era to be signing these players in a free agent so it's more important to draft really well so that's the hard battle that you have again let he goes back to the whole hey man what a, i would hate to be the i'd hate to be the gm because it's like do you give up another first round draft pick it hasn't worked a few times it got you close really close um, but it didn't work. It backfired the last time. Do you do it again? Do you get rid of, or do you need that traffic? You know, uh, how do you manage those assets? And that's the tough part about, you know, Chevy's job is that you got to manage those af- assets because yeah, maybe you do want to go all in this year. Maybe the West does look wide open. Maybe Colorado looks vulnerable. So you can go up there and not, and maybe Vegas isn't as strong as what Vegas looks to be. And Seattle's still a, a wild card. We don't know Question what's going mark on, on there. That one. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's it. I, I this is probably a good year for them to go for it. But again, you're going to have to give up a lot because there's a lot of teams who are thinking the exact same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have a couple more thoughts before we jump into that. I'm going to do a quick message here from our sponsors at Sports Interaction. So if you think you know what way it's going to go, make your bet with Sports Interaction, whether it's hockey, football, or basketball. Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. So want to bet? Make sure you go to sportsinteraction.com sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash STPN 19 plus please play responsibly I have a question for you every time I do that read I like to kind of see if I can ask a question to the person that I'm with and see uh it's not necessarily a betting question but looking at the game tonight against Detroit obviously we were talking about uh free agency if you had to you know put your money on which of the players that uh are ex-jets that Detroit signed in the offseason this year we got Ben Chirot we got Andrew Kopp which one do you think Detroit is going to regret signing more or less what do you think there ben Chirot, maybe i don't know because maybe the salary on andrew cop is a little bit too hefty uh but i love cop as a player i was just such a fan of that guy um so you know if you want to make if you want to make hockey relevant have a hometown boy you know there's certain certain things about cop in in detroit that are just they're like okay well this kind of makes sense um, you can put a face, you know, he could be the face. Now, I wouldn't say necessarily the face of the franchise because they got a lot of very, you know, they got a lot of talented young players, but 
I, I just think that the fact that he is a hometown guy, they're going to love having him there. It's just that price point is a little bit hefty on a player like Cop, which is always the worry that I had with trying to re-sign him here in Winnipeg, that he was just going to be priced pretty high for a guy who will probably play mostly third-line, second-line minutes. Um, but also, you know, Ben Sharotsky, he's getting a lot of money uh, these days. So <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to say because Ben Sherrod is a good, solid defenseman, and I wish that he was on our team. Um, in so many ways too. It's just you gotta you gotta look at that price point. Yeah, that that's free agency in a nutshell too. I think, and that's yeah. uh, <laughs> we're looking at. You know, there's oh, it seems like every year people are signing people for more money in free agency and giving up more assets for guys of the trade. And every year you're like, do I even want that to be me? Do I want to be the one giving up an unprotected first for two rounds of Ben Chirot? I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I think that there is a lot to happen in the next stretch. You know, someone mentioned in the chat, you know, we got to beat Buffalo next game. Um, from what I recall, I believe the Jets have a relatively easy January compared to some of the other teams that they could be playing. I think there are some, you know, there, there's some Philadelphia, a couple games against Buffalo, some stuff like that in there leading up to the all-star break and whatnot. So a lot can change uh, in the next little bit, but a lot has time to gel. We saw some, you know, positives come from the, those top six uh, players tonight. Those top two lines looked like they were firing on all cylinders, firing at posts and six inches away from the net for the most part, but they were definitely firing and, and creating some fun chances and stuff. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how the next couple games, the next couple months go for this team. Well, and we get, I mean, we get the benefit of here in Manitoba because I don't know about you or anybody else, but I love these six o'clock games. It's just the best. The only one problem, there's one like little bit of a problem with it. And I mean, it's not a problem because, I, you know, I love my son, um, but he's, you know, at two and a half years old, he, he doesn't care about hockey all that much. So what I did back in the day is I used to have a two TV system set up all of the time as, as a young man for one was for sports and one was for video games. And now as a mature, older father, uh, I have one set up for kids shows so he can watch Coco Melon while I watch the, t the Jets game on the little teeny tiny TV that's sitting on the top. So that's what I get to do on the East Coast games is that that's what I know I'm going to be doing on Friday or Thursday and Friday night. I'll just be sitting there watching the little TV up top. Um, we'll have to listen to I, the Coco Melon. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you want some Coco Melon recap or any updates on Thomas the Train, like we can do this all over again. You just let me know. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I think I've done some babysitting the last little bit. Is Paw Patrol, is that still a big deal? That one? Paw Patrol is great. Yeah, he yeah. chases on the case. Yeah. Now, um, yeah, Paw Patrol is pretty good, but it's it's wild, like the world of YouTube out there and, and the stuff that they see that they just end up liking. They're like, this is, this is weird, man. But I'm not here to judge you. You're two and a half years old. So. You do you, do you while daddy watches the TV and, and, and takes some notes here. But yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the road trip. They, they just this these next couple of East Coast games because I think that we'll turn it around. I mean, you look at the game again tonight. They deserve to have the W beside them. It didn't happen. That's the way sports go. That's why we watch them because it's not always going to go the way and it's not always predictable. Um, and that's what makes sports so special. So we were on the wrong end today of the sports luck, but I feel like the, the rest of the weekend, then coming back home for that one little game um, before they head back out on the road again, I think it'll be we're in for a good little good little stretch here. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, road trips for Brody means, you know, less time at the Canada Life Center. I don't know. For those of you who joined in later on, we talked a little bit. You know, Brody is QX104, the morning guy. He's the guy who's in the Jets games, who's giving away stuff and telling you what's going on and playing the games and making people guess where the thing is for a casino's card. Or I don't know. I haven't been to a game in a while, so I've got the gist of kind of what goes on there. 
yeah basically it's a lot of that stuff uh a lot of you know sponsor reads and and hanging out with fans actually that's the best part of the entire thing is that um when i go like i don't just hide hide in the corner uh and hop on the microphone every now and then i love to walk the concourse and see um uh, get get a feel of the atmosphere that the fans bring to the to the building and there's you know there's a lot of special season seat holders that i've been seeing there for it's my 10th year doing it um with the winnipeg jets so and I got a great crew. Like you got to, like if I got to take an opportunity to say that, that production crew works their behind off, and they are so darn passionate um, about their jets and putting on a good show and making sure that those who are in the stands uh, enjoy it. And that's one of the things that I always tell people: it's like you have any complaints about your in-game experience? There's that fan survey. They read it every single game after the game. They want to know your feedback. They want to put on a good show for you. Um, they're extremely, extremely passionate and very hardworking people. So. I'm just lucky to be a part of that crew because I think that they do a, a great job um, with with what they what they do every single game and what they bring every game, uh, including DJ, lighting, camera guy, uh, all everyone um, from top to bottom. I think Canada Life Center staff uh, deserves a lot of credit. Absolutely. So for all of you who are watching this right now, if that's not telling you to, to get your butt out to one of the games coming up, I don't know what will. Um, you know, you can always check us out here, of course, on SDPN, watch our game overs. You can watch it. You can go to the game and watch it on the way home. That's what a lot of people do. That's what my parents do when they go. Bless their hearts. And uh, you'll make sure you see Brody there. So Brody, thank you so much for joining me tonight. This is a lot of fun. Uh, for those of you that are sticking around in the chat, thank you for joining as well. Make sure you give the stream a like. And if you're listening um, later on Apple podcast or spotify wherever you podcast thank you so much for listening and let us know of course what you think brody thank you so much uh have a great rest of your night all the best list thanks so much go jets go Game over. powered by sports interaction canada sportsbook